Welcome to this edition of Farmers Inside Track, South Africa's leading agricultural podcast. This episode is powered by CropLife South Africa. My name is Dawn Numdu, and I'm thrilled to kick off a new campaign focused on household pesticide management. Over the next few weeks, we'll delve into the responsible use of pesticides, emphasizing the importance of food safety and health for all South Africans. Our mission is to educate consumers like you on the effective pest and pesticide management within your homes. We'll explore topics ranging from risk assessment to quality control, aiming to reduce the risk associated with household pesticides and to ensure a safer environment for you and your loved ones. So let's get started. Joining me is Dr. Gerard Verdoren. Operations and Stewardship Manager for CropLife South Africa. Dr. Gerard Verdoren, thank you so much for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track. You're with us this week. It is a great pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Good day, Dawn. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to talk to people about agriculture because I think we both share the same passion for our producers and for the food we produce in the country. I usually like to start with a bit of introduction more about you, where your journey started in agriculture. I know you have a wealth of information that you're going to share with us today, but more about your journey within agriculture. Where did this love and passion start for the sector? Well, since my first memories, and that was going back to when I was about three years old, there were two things that always stuck in my mind. First of all, wildlife. I've always been completely mad about wildlife and being with the wild creatures and the wild plants. I'm a very keen succulent enthusiast, but there's always been my yearning to be a farmer. Now, I never reached the point of farming, but I was lucky enough to got myself involved in agriculture, and that came because of my work in conservation. My conservation work started because of the problem we had many, many years ago with the poisoning of vultures and carnivores. And I started working with the agriculture community to try and curb the poisoning of these animals. And inadvertently, I started progressing more into the arena of crop protection because the crop protection chemicals were the ones which were basically misused by people to kill carnivores and with a knock-on effect on the birds of prey, unfortunately. And very slowly, I moved into the arena of crop protection and I eventually ended up in 2008 as a consultant for CropLife Essay looking after safety and responsibility. Now, that is what happened to me. And then in 2018 or 2019, when we got a new dispensation in CropLife SA, I became the operations stewardship manager. In other words, everything around responsibility, about safe use, about training, education, advocating responsible use, doing investigations, law enforcement, all of that fell into my lap. And I am now so solidly embedded in crop protection and agriculture that I don't think I'll ever get out of it, even though I would like to go back and be a vulture conservationist. But I gave it over to young people that turned my bit of work into globally recognized stuff. So I like to focus on our industry and agriculture and to work with my industry, which is the crop protection industry, but also to work with the farmers. And it's wonderful for me to report today that I get over 6,500 calls a year from farmers in the country who want advice on crop protection and how to use the stuff safely and responsibly. So that's where I stand currently in my career. Wow, absolutely amazing. I knew you had an impressive background, doctor, but this is really amazing. And it's so interesting because for me, Listening to people's stories about how they transitioned from, you know, one part of their work and then moving into agriculture 
it's all connected in a way. I mean, we're not separated in terms of that at all. So it's really lovely to also just hear your side and your story and how your journey got to the point where you're at now. Now, a big part of what we're doing with crop life is to talk about, you know, the responsible use of pesticides and specifically emphasizing the importance of food safety and the health of all South Africans. Maybe you can start by telling us what are the essential steps that people can do on a household level? What should they take to assess the risk associated with household pesticides as a start? I think it's very important because many of the homeowners in the country, and that goes across the board with all the different cultural groups, many of them have progressed from a normal homeowner um, to become their own food producers, which I think is fantastic. It's a great, deplorable idea in South Africa. And you won't believe it, but that was brought about because of COVID, because many people lost their jobs and they realized there's only one way to provide food for yourself if you don't have an income, that's to grow your own food. So apart from having the typical garden pests that we all have and the typical household pests like the fleas and flies and cockroaches, many people are now, apart from a homeowner, also a home food garden enthusiast or a food garden producer, which is, I think, a fantastic idea. And that's why I think what you asked me now is a very important question. Where do we start with the safety of using crop protection products in terms of the home and also the normal garden and home food gardens because they're all interconnected. And what we say from crop life always, the great gospel from all aspects is that you must always, but always follow the label instructions meticulously. Now, many people think the back part of the label really tells you what the dose rate is now to mix it now to apply it to your plants or to your surface in the kitchen to kill a cockroach or two. But that's a misconception because in terms of Act 36 of 1947, which governs all our pesticides in the country, it says to you that you have to follow the label, every single iota and total of the label. So you have to read the safety warnings, you have to read the precautions, and then you have to go on to directions for use. And I see in South Africa again, across all the cultural groups, that people often don't read that. And that's why I get many, many calls on my emergency number, because apart from my job at CropLife, I also manage my own Griffin Poison Information Center, where I get about 3,500 poisoning cases per year. And that's all because people don't follow the label instructions in terms of the safety. So first of all, read the label. The label will guide you then on how to apply the product safely. And all the labels will indicate, first of all, that you always have to keep the the chemical or the pesticide or the biological product you work with locked away when not in use. Secondly, it will indicate to you what sort of personal protective equipment you should use. And I would have thought it would be common sense for any South African to use personal protective equipment like wearing long sleeve, long pants, foot cover, a pair of gloves, cover your head, cover your eyes and cover your nose and mouth. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. And that's why I receive so many calls from people that got exposed to pesticides or we get the call from people where the children ate a pesticide or the dog ate a rodenticide because it wasn't locked away or it wasn't used in the base station or it was just left on the countertop in the kitchen. So safety only comes from one aspect, and that is by reading the label and following the label and always make sure that you are on your own when you apply the pesticide. Don't take the dog along. Don't allow the cat to walk around the house. Don't let the kids play in the garden while you're playing the pesticide. It's you with your protective equipment, with your pesticide properly mixed in your spray can, applying it, and you wait until that place is completely dried off. And if the label says you've got to wait for a day or two before allowing people back in, that's what you should do. 
And I can guarantee you in all the years since 2003, when I started my own poison information center, I have never, ever had a call from anybody about a pesticide exposure where they follow the label. Every single exposure was because people didn't follow the label. And in other words, we point our fingers directly at the consumer or the smallholder farmer or the farmer or the garden enthusiast that do not follow the safety instructions. And I must say, despite the fact that people regard us as a third world or even a seventh world country, our act is strong and meticulous. And it tells you exactly what you need to do to apply the pesticide safely. And I've seen people applying the most toxic pesticides under very stringent control conditions without any human health impact, without any environmental impact. So it's not about the toxicity of the compound. It's about how you, as the person handling the pesticide, is protecting yourself with your personal equipment and making sure that you do not contaminate the environment and your household and your people and your pets and your animals on the farm with it if you follow the label meticulously. Dr. Gerard, you've actually answered my next two questions in part with your introductory statements just around the essential steps that people should follow. But if I'm an individual, I want to use the specific pesticide in my home setting. Are there specific guidelines? I think you've clearly said the first thing and most important thing that I picked up on is read the label, understand what the labeling actually means. There's specific color coding to it as well, isn't it, Dr.? Color coding is on the current labels. Now, the current labels are working according to the WHO or the World Health Organization classification of the pesticide toxicology, which is actually not very good because it was never properly applied in the country. But basically, it says that if it's a green band, your risk is minimal. If it's a red band, your risk is very high. And then you've got in between the blue bands and the yellow bands. But it never made much sense to me because a lot of the chemical products or the color bands were not incorrectly applied by the Department of Agriculture. So now we're moving over very rapidly to the WHO classification. So there won't be a color band anymore. There will be the hazard pictograms, which will be a diamond to show you certain information. And very important, the signal words, which will tell you, is it harmful or is it dangerous to you? And it will also explain to you what are the precautions. So it comes back again to the fact that people pick up a label, they look at a green band and say, okay, fine to use. And I can tell you, I've had many, many incidents where people use a green band product and they still poison themselves and they dark for their children because they think it's safe now. So the color bands actually led people to a misbelief of the risk and the hazards of the chemicals. Well, I think the new JJ system gives you a much better understanding of the hazard. And then remember, hazard only becomes a risk when people start handling it. And to mitigate the risk, on the new labels, we've got the precaution statements on telling people how to protect yourself, how to apply properly, and how to prevent yourself being poisoned or that you contaminate the environment or you contaminate people around you with those particular pesticides. So that is what people should take note of in terms of the new labels coming onto the market. But what the homeowners also need to understand, that's not only for the homeowners, but also for the small-scale gardeners. I call them small-scale gardeners because they work on a patch of land of maybe 80 square meters where they grow their ornamentals or they grow their own bits of food. Not every pesticide on the shelf at the co-op, for example, is applicable or registered for use in a home garden situation. Some of them, for example, now chlorpyrifos, which is going to disappear by the end of the year, is only registered for agriculture. It may not be applied in any home garden or home situation whatsoever. So you need to read the label. So when you go into a typical large type of retail store, like a typical co-op where they sell 
everything on a shelf, then you need to go and check which of those products are registered for use in the home or then in a garden, because some of them will be applicable to that, like the typical Delta methane 20 gram per liters for ants and flies and mosquitoes and cockroaches. But there will also be, for example, the cypermethane 200 SC, which is only registered for agricultural application because it's a high concentration product, which is not supposed to be used in a home situation. And when people then use it in a home situation, they can't interpret the label, they overdose. And the next thing is the cat kills over and the cat dies because of an overdosing. So don't blame the chemical. Blame ourselves for not following the label and buying a product which is not supposed to be used in home. It's only supposed to be used on a farm. So those are some of the sort of starting principles of being a responsible pesticide user in a home or a home garden environment. And then my next question specifically is around the storage of these household pesticides. Are there specific guidelines or precautions to follow for proper storage? You know, obviously these pesticides can be very damaging if someone who doesn't even know how to read, for example, gets a hold of it. So what are the guidelines in terms of that? Well, every pesticide label, even the, the old ones that we still have on the shelf now and the new ones coming into the market, the new labels coming in from 1st of October, which we call the GHS format labels, every one of them say it has to be locked away when not in use. And on the old labels, there's a pictogram with a cage, with a child behind the cage and with a hand that shows the lock and key. So the first principle is lock the stuff away. And I cannot explain to you how many calls I get of children eating pesticides or ingesting pesticides or making dermal contact with pesticides because the parents did not lock it away. So I always tell people, when you get home after a shopping spree at whatever store you went to buy your pesticides, the first thing you do is you take it out and you lock it in a cupboard out of the reach of children and pets and elderly people. It mustn't stand anywhere in the open because I've had horrific cases of poison where people leave a whole box of redenticide on the countertop and then the dog comes, eat, eats, comes in and eats it all and it costs the, the client then 70,000 rand with the vets to get the patient recovered. So locking away is a legal mandate of the person using the pesticide because it says they're on the label. So the Registrar of Act number 36 says, you shall lock your pesticide away when not in use. And even... After you've made your dilution in your spray tank or after you've applied the redenticide in the bait box, before you go and apply it on the garden or for the cockroach in the kitchen or put the bait station down, you lock the pesticide away. That will take away probably 50% of all the exposures that we see in the country because of the fact that once it's locked away, the people that don't know about the pesticide or don't know about the safety or the risk about the pesticide will not be able to get hold of it and you take that risk away completely. But if it's left out in the open, it is 100% risk because there are going to be people, young and old, or dogs, or pets in the house that will gain access to it, and then all hell will break loose and somebody will get poisoned. And you've actually, again, in part, answered my next question when it comes to, you know, who's the most at risk when it comes to the exposure of these household pesticides. And obviously, locking it away is the best measure to kind of protect vulnerable individuals. Is there any other advice that you can share, Dr. Gerard? If I look at the core rate from public, and again, I'm talking about the cross the border from all the different cultural groups, children are a grave risk because very often they play at, at home and they find a pesticide on a shelf somewhere and they drink it or they eat their identicide. So there's a lot of children being exposed to pesticide, not only the legal ones, but also what we call the unlawful street pesticide, which is sold at the taxi ranks and places like that in South Africa. 
So children, unfortunately, are at grave risk. And unfortunately, also, because of their fast metabolism, children are much more vulnerable to pesticide impact than adults. So I would say three to four times more susceptible to pesticide toxicology than an adult. The second thing which I find in the home garden environment, which is an enormous problem, is that dogs are exposed to pesticide every day. There's not a day in my life where I don't get a call about a dog. And sometimes it can be up to 10 calls a day about dogs gaining access to pesticides and eating rodenticides or snail baits or cutworm baits or just drinking the water where people diluted the pesticide into a can. So these are the two entities that I found at the household level. In other words, the children and the infants and the pets, mostly the dogs. The cats, only about four times a year, but dogs can be as many as 130 cases per month that I handle of dog eating pesticides, simply because people don't follow the rules and don't apply the pesticide correctly. And what I also find very often is people don't understand when you apply any pesticide of whatever nature in your kitchen to control cockroaches, for example, or fleas or flies or mosquitoes or bed bugs. You have to vacate the premises. No one may be there. Not the cat, not the dog, not the goldfish, not the grandmother, nor the children may be there. So vacate the premises and then apply it, wait until it's dried off and let the people go back. But what people do, they apply it in the kitchen or in the bathroom and the kids play around, the cat plays around and cats are super sensitive to pesticides. And the next moment I get the, the call from the people that the cat is now running around like a mad cat and the cat is busy dying because of exposure. That is unnecessary. So again, going back, if we check the label and we follow the label, there should not be any pesticide poison in the country. But unfortunately, our children and our pets are extremely vulnerable because I think of our stupidity of not following the labels and exposing them you can basically say unlawfully to a pesticide because of the fact that we don't use the pesticide strictly according to what the label says in terms of the precautions or as we say in Afrikaans, the short material. So these things are very important. As we wrap up the conversation, what would be some of the insights on risk assessments and how they can help households make more informed decisions about pesticide usage. I think you've kind of ran through them throughout our conversation, but if we can just leave them as final steps as we wrap up the conversation, please. Remember, with a new classification, the GHS classification, every chemical has to undergo a hazard assessment. In other words, what is the intrinsic property of that particular product to the human being and the environment? The risk comes into play the moment you open the bottle and you start working with a pesticide or applying the pesticide. And that's where the assessment comes in. So the assessment will tell us whether you work with something which is of grave risk to yourself or of minimal risk to yourself or intermediate. And the way to overcome that is to go and look at what the label says in terms of when you may apply it, how you may apply it, what personal protective equipment may you use, which weather conditions should be avoided, like for example, in wintertime, in the morning is the worst time to spray because there's no air movement and the pesticide spray mixture hangs in the air, drifts off the target and damages plants around you or it can damage the fish in the pond and stuff like that. So the risk is something which is only materialized once you start working with the pesticide and it is your job then as the end user of the pesticide to mitigate the risk by following the precautionary statements that are printed in good letters on the front panel of every pesticide that we use in the country. So 
That is our job. Hazard, there's nothing we can do about the hazard. The hazard is an intrinsic property of the pesticide. For example, I mentioned cypermethrin. Cypermethrin is a pyrethroid. It's a very good pyrethroid. It does a good job for people in homes and gardens, but it can cause damage to cats. It can cause severe damage to fish because it's very toxic to fish. But if you don't spray it around the fish pond, the risk is minimal. If you don't allow the cat inside the house when you apply the pesticide or the cytomethan, the chance of the cat getting poisoned is nothing. So the risk management lies at the hand of the end user, in other words, the consumer or the homeowner or the gardener or the home food gardener. That is what we have to say to ourselves. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Gerard Fedora. And I really had a great you know, conversation with you. I understand it better, even in my own home garden, in terms of usage and what are the steps that I should take to protect myself and my family. So I really appreciate it. If people would like to connect with you to find out more information, how do they do that? We have a, a special helpline at CropLife South Africa, which is basically the same as my own telephone number I use for my Griffin Poison Center. And that number is 082-446-8946. And the best for people when they want any advice or any guidance on helping a patient or a person that was exposed to the pesticide is to send me a WhatsApp if it's a real emergency. They're welcome to call. It's on there 24 hours a day. And that is our community service to our members and also to society in South Africa to help them to be safe. And if there's a little bit of a calamity or disaster, then for me to sort it out with a client. So welcome to call me. Welcome to WhatsApp me on 82 What a pleasure to have you join us here on Farmers Inside Track. Dr. Gerard Verduren. Operations and Stewardship Manager for CropLife South Africa. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. From me, Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, thanks for listening. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.